It's time for Cadillac on Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac on Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, friends. Welcome to another edition of Cadillac on Call presented by the Cadillac Foundation. Each Wednesday evening, we are here to talk about health and medical information that is important to our community. And for the past 18 months or so, COVID-19 has dominated this program as well as the health headlines uh, throughout the country, if not the world. And again, that is our focus this evening as we try to bring you the latest information on where the pandemic stands and information on where people need to go if they want to get vaccinated. And certainly, or we are kind of at a critical point as we move through the summertime here in the Tri-Cities. We thought we had a very good handle on this virus, but lo and behold, the word variant appeared and these various strains of the COVID-19 virus have surfaced and they have arrived in our community as well. And they have risen the rates, they've risen the hospitalizations, and unfortunately, they've even uh, increased the number of people who have passed away due to the COVID-19 vaccine, or virus, I should say. We're going to talk about vaccine, why that is the solution, and we need to get more people to do it as we, so we can uh, get a ha- better handle on this virus as we... Uh, move through the year 2021. A guest that has joined us uh, faithfully for many weeks on this program, and we're fortunate to have her with us again tonight, is Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather has been one of the driving forces of the health district's handling of this uh, pandemic over the last 18 months or so. And she's with us again tonight. And Heather, I know today, unfortunately, I know data drives everything, and it's hard to make data real to people, but these are real cases of COVID. And I see today 211 COVID cases between Benton and Franklin counties. And uh, I think the other thing that I'm seeing, which is equally as alarming, is the number of deaths is starting to climb back up, which which, uh, certainly is is even more so. But where do we stand as we're getting ready to move into the month of August here in the Tri-Cities? Yeah, unfortunately, Jim, the data is showing that the... uh our region is trending in the in the wrong direction. You know, combined Benton and Franklin County case rate per hundred thousand is three hundred and forty two. And we know that that is extremely high. That's getting back to months ago when we were really concerned about what was happening in our community. So once again, um, we're certainly very concerned. You know, that also has us looking at what's happening in our acute care facilities, our hospitals. And right now, about 12% of patients hospitalized are suffering from COVID or, or are um, COVID-like illness. So we're starting to, once again, see our medical facilities stressed uh, with the number of patients coming in. And, and, and then when we look at the deaths, I think that's what is so, so hard to um, grasp is when this first started, this pandemic first started, it was the elderly. And we know that the elderly catch viruses of all kinds, and, and unfortunately, they succumb to it. And now we're starting to see, though, with COVID, the death age is significantly lower. And our, our end of last week, deaths um, listed a female in her 40s a female in her 60s, and a male in his 30s. So we know it is starting to definitely affect a younger crowd. Our data shows that the majority of COVID cases are in the 20 to 29-year-old group, and the second biggest group is that 30 to 39-year-old group. 
And then when we start to see death um, of, of a person in their 30s and a person in their 40s, that, that certainly has us very concerned, especially when we know that this is a, a phenomenal vaccine that just really reduces the symptoms that you are going to have if you catch COVID and are vaccinated. And we really see that people don't die from COVID if they're vaccinated. And when we look at the population that is not vaccinated, it is certainly that age group that we're seeing most of the disease burden right now. And as we've touched on, all of this data, and maybe we get the you know everything we try and rely on the science and the science tells everything as it should but sometimes do we get a little calluses not i don't know if callous is the right word but but where we okay the data these are numbers but when especially when you're talking about deaths and icu patients these are real people that are being seriously made ill by this virus still 18 months later right and and it's when you put the the person behind that death statistic when you start thinking about that person that's when this becomes so so emotionally difficult to understand and and to handle and then when i think of our our healthcare providers in these acute care facilities who are 18 almost 19 months into this pandemic and we're hitting we're in our fifth wave of the pandemic and these acute care facility workers have been stressed, but now we're stressing them once again with the the fifth wave. So, um, you know, vaccination is couldn't be more strongly recommended at this time, especially when we're starting to see the data go the wrong direction. With vaccinations, though, we we know if you got vaccinated today, you're not protected tomorrow. It takes several weeks for that vaccine to really cause your immune system to respond and give you protection. And then if you choose a vaccine that's a two-part series, you need that second dose. So even if um, people got vaccinated today, they need to understand they're still vulnerable to catching COVID for a bit longer. And that's where we're really seeing various states and, and community leaders encouraging people to get back to the masking, especially when you're in a, a public space where you have such high community rate of transmission, this is a time to start rethinking those mitigation factors that we were encouraging people to do early on, and maybe it's time to start bringing those back into the equation. And um, again, looking back to that toolkit, it's not just vaccination, it's social distancing, it's wearing a mask, it's hand washing. And All I know of the- those together. And I know the governor came out uh, as, today as we're speaking and said that schools will be required to have masks for their students and their staff. And yet that's still a month or so away. We're coming out of the hydro races that were here just this past weekend. Yet Benton and Franklin counties and you add Walla Walla County to the equation. Our region is the hot spot in the whole Northwest, if not the country. Yeah, we definitely made the map, but for an absolutely wrong reason. Franklin County currently holds the highest case rate in the state. And when I look at those numbers, I I start thinking how many people are going to die from this, how many more people are going to catch it, and what's this going to really do to impact our our acute care health care systems and the staff when I think about the nurses 
and the doctors and the staff that it takes to take care of all of these people. You know, we're facing another, the fifth wave, and once again, really putting a stress on our acute care system. I want to spend a little bit on more on vaccination in our next segment, but later in our program, we're going to be visiting with a family, a member of a family who was reluctant to get the vaccine. They were all a family of four stricken by COVID, and now they tell a completely different story about the vaccine. Do you think it's stories like those are that are what going to we're going to have to almost we're kind of a of those that are unvaccinated. We're at a point now where it's. You know, they just need to have wherever they go, whoever they trust, they're going to have to make that decision on their own that, you know, whether you do pop-up clinics or fat mask clinics or whatever, we're to the point where kind of the real hard work on, on this vaccination front. You're, you're right, and it, it, it's going to take a lot of one-on-one conversations, and that's what I have found as people have approached me and just we sit down together, we'll have more than just a brief conversation. These take time to have these conversations to help people understand, you know, what the vaccine does and doesn't do and how it does help a person. And these are the kind of conversations you need to have with that trusted medical professional. Your physician is the person who can help you the most answer those questions. But it's it's time-consuming, but honestly, it's time well spent because if that conversation saves one more life, then it was so well worth it. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. She's going to stay with us for another segment, and we'll continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Thank you for very much for staying with us. Jim Hall with Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. We're visiting with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And, Heather, I'd like to pick up the conversation, a little more focus on the vaccinations. And I was reviewing the statistics in the state of Washington today and totally vaccinated percentage. The state of Washington is 52% fully vaccinated. Uh, Benton County, 39%. Franklin County, 32%. Walla Walla County, 45%. And I think this is the overall population. So I think last week we shared age 12 fully vaccinated. So these numbers are down a little bit, but they're relative all to these various things that we're trying to compare. But the reality is Benton, Franklin, and Walla Walla counties continue to lag relative to the rest of the state, and yet we still have the highest vaccination rate. And then you put on the issue that most people who are getting COVID and most people who are dying COVID are unvaccinated. Why is this so hard to figure out? You know, that's a really good question, Jim. Um, you know, we're dealing with a age group, that younger adult age group that tends to have, you know, I'm invincible, I'm healthy, if I get a little sick, I'm going to be fine, I can beat this thing. And I think what people need to realize is the more we learn about the COVID virus, the more we realize It is not just a a simple, you're going to get a little bit sick. Yes, many people catch it, they get over it, they do just fine, but we're still pretty surprised and disheartened by the number of even young people who catch this and then um, go on to have long hauler syndrome. 
and knowing that they could get a vaccine that would absolutely stop them from having those horrific side effects if they do catch COVID. So there's still a lot of conversations to be had to help help this population, that, that age group specifically, understand why it is important for them to get vaccinated. We talk a lot about herd immunity and in you know, in the veterinarian world, in the animal world, we want our herd of cattle to be immunized. We we want to keep our herd of cows safer so the farmer will use mass vaccinations and the majority of the cows get vaccinated knowing that some of the cows won't respond as well to the vaccine and others will respond very well. But because the herd has a high vaccination rate, those diseases can't set up housekeeping and devastate that herd. The exact same thing is true when it comes to humans. We are uh, we are animals. We are part of the animal kingdom. And so vaccines and herd immunity really work in, in the human um, environment just like it does in the animal environment. There's also being concerned expressed, well, with the variants. Are the variants um, going to cause our vaccines to not work as well? And what we're seeing right now, especially with regard to that Delta variant that's uh, circulating at quite high rates, well into, um, you know, three-quarter percent of what's being tested is actually testing for the, the Delta variant. So we know it is um, swirling around at quite high rates in our community. And right now we're seeing that, yes, absolutely, all the vaccines used in the United States are protective against that Delta variant. One of the biggest concerns, though, is as more and more and more people catch the disease, that gives that virus the opportunity to do more genetic changes so we would expect to see more and more variants happening. We can't predict if um, we'll get to the point where we'll have variants that won't be, um, that the vaccine won't be protective against. And that's another reason why stopping the spread of this virus through vaccination is so very important is because catching the disease leads to the more likelihood of having these variants in our community. Do you think the, the, the clock is ticking in a, in a matter of speaking in that obviously the governor now has announced that schools will be wearing masks uh, regardless in the fall? Uh, school is coming, and age 12 and under has not been vaccinated, and the rate of those who are eligible, I think, what, 12 to 15 or 17, whatever that age, the high school age group or middle school, it's it's a very low rate of vaccination. And so as school gets ready to come back into session is, is now, it's, it's a critical time probably in the next month for the emphasis on getting vaccination. Right. We often talk in, in my world of vaccines, cocooning those vulnerable people, those people who can't get vaccinated, cocooning them with vaccinated people. And it holds true definitely with COVID. If you have children under the age of 12 who can't be vaccinated, granted, we don't see a lot of death in that age group, but there have been, I think, over 300 um, young people in the United States actually die from COVID to date. So we know that it can cause problems. It can cause death. 
But what we need to do is remember the illness that it causes these children really is disrupted to the family, to family life. Plus, these children who catch COVID can certainly spread it to the vulnerable adult who the outcome may not be as well. And when we see kids congregating in schools, they can certainly transmit organisms a lot easier if they have all that close contact without masks. So again, if we can cocoon our children with vaccinated people, that will certainly help protect them along with masks from transmitting it throughout um, the school environment. You know, I think I've asked you this question virtually every week, but are we at a real key time in all of this, knowing with the vaccine available, but knowing our rates are going up and knowing school, the fall, the winter is coming when people are going to be indoors. Is this a real key time if the others haven't been? It, you know, it certainly concerns me because, again, um, I've been in this um, world of public health for well over 30 years and in the, in the world of diseases and immunizations. And as we roll into this fall, I start thinking about influenza and COVID and what will our community look like if both of these are swirling around at, at relatively high rates. That, that could be a, a very bad thing to have happen in our community. I look back to the flu season we just had, and it was so light. It was a very, very um, minimal flu season because we were putting all those mitigation factors into place. We had the mask. We had the distancing. We know it helped stop the flu from transmitting throughout our community as well. If we go into flu season without people actually continuing to do those protective things and they're not vaccinated and they're not vaccinated for COVID or the flu, I would have real concerns how how this winter is going to be for us here in the Tri-Cities area. So the bottom line in one minute-ish as we conclude your time tonight, uh, what's your message? Uh, And I know it probably relies on get that vaccine. You know, and I say it time and time again, get get vaccinated, get your family vaccinated. And that's easy for me to say, but I also know it is a very personal decision. It's a family decision, but it's a decision I would like everybody to make in an educated way, which means have the conversation with your physician, with your medical provider who understands the science behind vaccinations, who understands your unique health history. And that's where you need to go to get your information and make sure it's from credible sources, from sources that are science-based, peer-reviewed articles, not what you heard on Facebook or from your best friend who doesn't have the science to back up what they're saying. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. And some of those credible sources that Heather is referencing include the Benton Franklin Health District's website because it has information on not only the the, the questions relating to the yeses and nos on vaccine. It has where, if you need to get tested, want to get tested, where you can do so, where you can get your vaccination. So it's bfhd.wa.gov, the State Department of Health, doh.wa.gov, 
They have some great information on where we are on the statistical. So if you want to go look at, if you're a data nerd and go look at that information, go to that site as well. Thanks to Heather. Back with the second half of Cadillac on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. In our community and across the country, health leaders have gone to great lengths to urge people who are eligible to get the COVID vaccine to do so. Famous athletes, celebrities, medical and public health experts, community leaders, clergy. I think the most impactful way to help convince people who are skeptical is to hear from folks who have actually contracted COVID, including those who were reluctant to get the vaccine. And I'd like to welcome to our program this evening Nadine Johnson, who, along with her husband Pat and two children, are at home recovering from the COVID virus. And in fact, Pat is only home within the past week, I understand, after spending nearly a week at Cadillac Regional Medical Center. Nadine, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us tonight. First of all, how are you all doing? Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. So we are on day 18 of COVID and, um, you know, we're not 100 percent, but we're all definitely getting better. Thank you. If you would, please walk us through the days of uh, those prior to leading up to day one and uh, leading up to the diagnosis and ultimately Pat's stay in the hospital. Sure. You know, to summarize it, um, our symptoms started on the 4th of July and, um, you know, we, we really just chalked up our, um, it was really a lot of fatigue and feeling tired and we were having guests over. So we'd been working in the yard a lot and, um, our weather was over a hundred degrees. So we really thought that we had, um, heat exhaustion. Um, and then over the next couple, a few days, um, on came the debilitating body aches, nausea, headache, chills, cough, um, full-blown symptoms. I, out of the four of us, I lost my um, taste and smell um, probably on day six-ish, and that's when I knew that we had COVID. Um, We actually started to feel a little bit better, I would say, on day six, seven. Um, So, I was thinking, you know, yeah, we have COVID, but we're feeling better. So we, our plan was just to go ahead and continue just to recover um, and stay quarantined. Um, then on day seven or eight, things really took a uh, turn for the worst. Um, for me, um, and especially for my husband, uh, we both experienced shortness of breath and the, the cough that we had um, – was starting to get more severe. Um, I, I had an Apple Watch, actually, that I, I was taking our oxygen levels with, and one of, the, one of the days my husband's dropped to 87%, and so um, I knew then that we needed to go to the ER. So we got to the ER. They immediately did a rapid COVID test that came back positive, um, and since we were both sh- short of breath, they did x-rays, 
um, mine came back and it, it was kind of like the picture looked like a foggy haze over my lungs. The doctor said that was pretty common. So I was sent home on, on some medications. My husband, however, uh, he, like I said, he was in worse shape. So he was diagnosed with COVID, um, double lung pneumonia. Also, um, on top of that, he had acute kidney injury and acute hypoxemic respiratory flavor, or not flavor, failure. Um, and, and you know, it was just very, it was devastating and really scary. So they immediately admitted him to the hospital um, and put him on oxygen, um, on a lot of different medications. Um, but the scary part was getting his kidneys normal so that he could get the medication he needed. Um, and we were so lucky that that happened. Um, he stayed for six days at Cadillac and he got home and he's still on oxygen. And right now we're, we're doing a program called telemedicine. So I'll take his vitals twice a day, um, scheduled times and, um, I'll send his vitals to the virtual nurse and, they typically respond and tell me um, next steps. But lucky for us, his vitals have been good. So our steps will just be continue to stay home and get rest. Oh, my goodness. And so he luckily, obviously very sick, but he did not need to go into the intensive care unit or be on a ventilator? No. Um, thank goodness, you know, uh, Despite the, um, I think they call it ARDS, um, I could be wrong, but the acute uh, hypoxemic respiratory failure, um, the the odds on getting a, a, on a ventilator when, when you have something like that are pretty high, but we were so fortunate that he just um, used oxygen. And then all during this time, okay, he was in there for six days, you were able to go home, and your kids had COVID. How are they doing? Yes. So um, the kids, you know, my, my 10 year old, he got symptoms and um, you know, they weren't as severe as mine or my husband's, but it was still scary um, because, you know, my thoughts were that kids that age didn't really experience severe symptoms, but he had a fever and he had chest pressure and he didn't feel good for three pretty three solid days. And then uh, my daughter, she's 15 and she was closer to a week, but she had, um, you know, the, the symptom, the body aches and nausea and um, they're doing really good. You know, they were, they were scared to death that their dad was in the hospital and not knowing what was going to happen was really scary for them, of course, but they're doing really, really well now. I read some social media posts that you did, and it's 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 really powerful. I guess is the best word that I can describe it. I mean, just the the mix of emotions that you and your family have gone through just since this all happened has to be just overwhelming in some respects. You know, definitely, it's very overwhelming. Um, we're probably not the same people that we were three or four weeks ago, um, you know, my, my son 
when I was leaving to take my husband and I to the ER, he was asking me, but mom, um, is dad going to die? And of course I want to say, no, he's going to be fine. But I honestly didn't know. Um, I, I remember when at the beginning of the pandemic, I would see these viral videos of people breathing rapidly. And I was thinking that, oh my gosh, they're just trying to scare us, you know? Um, but breathing rapidly, not being able to talk or a full sentence, that's real. And that's how my husband was breathing when I took him to the ER. And that was scary. Um, and my son was also questioning if both of us were to die, then, you know, who's going to take care of him? Is he going to foster care? And, you know, it's just devastating to hear um, your 10-year-old worry like that. I can't imagine. One of the other ways I know um, that you've changed a lot since all of this is, is your view on vaccination. And, and we want to address that. We have to take a commercial break. I'd like to get your perspectives on where you are on all of that and the experience in the hospital a little bit more as well. We'll do that with Nadine Johnson right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call. If you've missed any part of our program, Cadillac on Call is available on podcast. Just search Cadillac on Call wherever you listen to your favorite podcast programs. We continue our visit with Nadine Johnson, who is so graciously sharing her family's powerful COVID story and the most important message of urging urging people to get the COVID vaccine. And Nadine, let's pick that up, that part of the conversation relative to the vaccine. What, where was your hesitancy and where do, where do you stand now on it? Sure. Um, so for the entire pandemic, um, we are we have been dead set against the vaccine, um, and, and that's it. We, we're a hundred percent against it um, for our family because we are young and healthy. We have no underlying conditions. Um, we we. I guess our, from our perspective, um, the pandemic was kind of winding down, if you will. Um, we don't get the flu shot, and we figure we, we fight the flu just fine whenever we do get it. Um, and, you know, it, there was so many unknowns with how quickly the vaccine was implemented and distributed. And we just thought, you know, we're good. And um, when we're in that category of people that should get the vaccine, then we'll revisit it maybe when we're 65 or something, you know, and it, it's been out for a while. And then, um, and now, um, you know, we've completely changed our minds um, just based off of our experience, um, what we went through and um, the, the fear of we almost losing my husband and my children's dad, um, the unknowns while he was there and the regret. And, um, you know, it's just, it's really life changing. And I, it's sad to me that, um, you know, it, it could have been too late. 
Um, but what we were giving the opportunity and we were given another chance. And so um, we decided that, that we are going to get the vaccine as soon as the doctor okays us to do that. And when you were, or when your husband was in the hospital, and, and I know we have been talking to colleagues at Cadillac and even Dr. Person from the health district has mentioned that the vast 90, 99% or high or 95 to 100% or almost 100% of the, of the current cases and hospitalizations are unvaccinated people. Yeah, you know, and um, when my husband was in the hospital, um, I would get the daily update from the doctor, usually on the phone, but on the very last day, the doctor FaceTimed me. And, you know, I just think that at the beginning of the pandemic, you were hearing a lot of it's, it's the older community and the people with underlying conditions that should be worried and, you know, we honestly just got kind of tired of hearing about it. And so we shut it out and we stopped watching the news and we didn't um, educate ourselves and we were just kind of closed minded, you know, and things are changing. Now we are learning with the different variants out there. And it seems like uh, to me that the the, the um, virus just isn't discriminating anymore. <laughs> It's anybody, you know, and so, um, you know, another thing is when the vaccine was getting rolled out, um, there was vaccine incentives and we were feeling pressure and like we we're being coerced and to doing it. And to be honest, that kind of pushed um, us away from the vaccine. And and now, you know, going through this, um, giving my the chance to actually get educated rather than pressure it has really really helped a lot and so um just the the reconsideration um has been has been good for us i would ask a question if you would we don't have a ton of time but i want to i have two more questions i'd like to address to you and one of them is and we've addressed it on this program a lot is the staff within the hospital that has been taking care of not only COVID patients, but just anybody that comes into the hospital over the past 18 months, and they're tired. Did you, I'm guessing you saw that with the staff, and is that maybe another little added motivation for people to say, you know, do it not only for yourself and your family and your health, but for the other people who have been dealing with this for so long? Yes, absolutely. I um, can't say enough great things about the staff at Cadillac. Um, but they answered every single one of my calls and every single one of my questions, and you could hear that they were exhausted and tired. And I have a friend who is a Cadillac nurse, and I actually um, asked her, how do you guys find time to answer all the questions from the family members and take care of all your patients? And she's like, it's it's so hard, but, you know, we really just, we know how hard it is to, you know, not be there for your loved one and be able to be there for them. So we try our best, but um, they were, they were great, but I know that they're spread very thin too. Just one more question, if you would, and, and it's, and it's probably one that you've already addressed, but we have listeners, uh, and, and, and the vaccine rates in our area are not what they are around the rest of the state. And um, 
I guess from what you've been through and your experience and your position change relative to on vaccines, what is a message that you would have for somebody listening tonight that might be unvaccinated and still not ready to do so? Sure. You know, I would just say um, to reconsider and by reconsider, you know, I would ask you to just revisit that with your um, your doctor or your, your family doctor to see what's best for you. Um, because like I said, it it's not just older people or or um, people with underlying conditions now, you know, and um, I would just ask everybody, you know, I'm not not one to put pressure, but at least reconsider and revisit it and look at the new data and look at the new variants and go and ask your doctor um, what's best for you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I offer my deep thanks to you for sharing your story and being so open about your experience. I, I would close with this while recognizing that people do have a right to decide whether or not to get vaccinated. Please seek the advice, as Nadine said, of someone you trust. The evidence is overwhelming that the vaccines are safe and they work and they protect you from the virus. Even in the low likelihood that you still get COVID after vaccination, your illness would be much less severe. Again, our thanks to Nadine and best wishes to all of your family for a speedy recovery and a full recovery. And thank you all for joining us tonight. We'll talk again next week on Catholic on Call.